0: guys, Jim Cox, FFG Advisors, Park Avenue Securities, and I'm here today with an interview with Cindy Beers. She's an integrative yoga coach, um, health professional in terms of working with, with people who are dealing with with stress and trauma, and we had connected... Um, after a conversation uh, online and really wanted to kind of get her insights in terms of what's going on with PTSD and teens and really some of the depression uh, that, that we see afflicting people these days. So, Cindy, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me, Jim.
0: Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I'm a yoga
1: teacher uh, in the area. I started out as, as a student, like everybody else. I was uh, in grad school studying philosophy, and I needed some chill off some steam, so I was learning yoga, and I really, really enjoyed it, and I loved the way it was clearing my mind. Um, I was in the military for 18 years, and I saw a lot of not nice things, so this was a really great way to help me clear my mind. Um a, in 2016, I met up with one of my grad student um, uh, friends, and he had a 13-year-old daughter who was having issues with anxiety, and uh, he's like, well, can you can you do anything? And I thought, well, you know what, let me see what I can do. And I teamed up with a local psychologist, uh, his name is Tom Fink, and between using what I've learned and using what he knows, and we combined together, uh, we created this really great program. From there, we continued our partnership in working on depression, trauma, and stress. And, you know, what so I work with all four of those, anxiety, depression, trauma, and stress. And what's really interesting about this is people don't realize that it, it all has to do with one thing, the brain. So when people say, well, you, why are you getting to all these? Why don't you just specify one? I can't, because it all has to do with the brain. And it's different parts of the brain. So this is why I do what I do. Um, I incorporate yoga poses. But, you know, under the, the term yoga, which is mind-body-union, we use to incorporate other things. We incorporate the emotional freedom technique, tapping. We incorporate uh, energy medicine. We incorporate meditation, um, the chakra system. So, so there's so much of a menagerie here. And when I work with people, what I make sure is I give them a lot of information so they can pick the things that work for them.
0: So is it a matter of kind of trial and error to figure out what really works from one person to another? Exactly.
1: Because if I did this with you and just say you just fell in love with tapping and I worked with your wife, she might not like that. She might like the meditation better. Yeah. So it's it's finding – and that's the best part because there is no cookie-cutter fix for anybody with anxiety, depression, trauma, and stress. In the psychiatry and the psychology world, it there are some protocols that are out there that they can use, but it's trial and error to find what works for you.
0: Well, that's a good lead into kind of the the next area of thinking on on what I was uh, considering was when you look at like the way schools deal with with students and disruption and some of. Th- you know, behavioral problems, um, which obviously a lot of those are going to be stemming from stress or PTSD that they ex- that the kids experience at home. You know, a lot of most of the time they're treated as you know cookie cutter solutions, and that's right. and it's complete you know failure on the part of the system.
1: And you know, sadly, you know, I know within our state, of, the state of Pennsylvania. You know, kids are being taught to the test. You know, they have standardized testing. And these kids are getting so stressed out with these tests, you know, for a couple reasons. One, they're told that they're never going to get into a good school unless they get good grades. And so with this testing, they're worried about getting good grades so they can get into a good college. And then second, they're worried about... The teacher, you know, if they don't do well on the test, they're afraid the teacher's going to get fired. And third, they're going to try to do the best they can on this tests because they're afraid that they're going to make their parents upset that they're not doing their best. So kids today have so much stress on them, not just for the standardized testing, but if you're in athletics, um, uh, theater, uh, anything like that, there's more push now. For these kids to go to college and to succeed and be, you know, beyond their capable, you know, natural way that they're stressing and getting more and more anxiety.
0: Yeah, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it seems like with with kids these days, you know, the whole idea or concept of, of play has been lost um, uh, earlier and earlier.
1: Oh, So true. Let me give you a great example. Um, I had, um, I was working with a ballet troupe and these, these young ladies, they ranged from nine to 17 and one young lady, she was nine years old and they wanted her to go on point, which is coming up on her toes. And the teacher was constantly pushing her and pushing her and she was sobbing. She's like, I'm not ready. And, And she's like, I can't do it. And because this, this teacher was kept pushing her, she felt so much stress and was having so much anxiety. And we worked through that so she could talk to the teacher, talk to her parents, to realize, hey, it's okay if I can't get up on my toes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and high school kids, <clears throat> um, you know, a lot of parents are pulling their kids out of school, cyber schooling them, so they can go to these professional gyms. So they can get full scholarships for college. They're not going on their natural way. They're getting pushed too fast.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's <clears throat> that's a good observation. I mean, from what I've seen, like one of the one of the challenges for kids is they haven't really learned how to um, have their own voice to speak up for themselves. They haven't learned to create boundaries, and you know that kind of facilitates them to be pushed one direction or another. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I think we have to empower kids to be able to say no, to resist.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And because our technology has furthered, you know, they don't know how to talk to one another. It's yeah. all through texting or social media. And you know, sadly, these days, we have to teach kids how to have a, have a conversation with someone, how to look someone in the eye.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are life skills, though, that get, like you said, get passed over in a school system which teaches to a test. Right. Yep.
1: Yep. You're correct.
0: There's been a, uh, a number of kids recently um, who have uh, committed suicide. I mean, suicide, not just among kids, but among adults as well, seems to be kind of a rising epidemic. Um, I think that I saw a statistic that over the past three years, the um, life expectancy in the United States has actually decreased because of suicide and the opiate epidemic, which is the first time that that's that's happened. You know, the life expectancy is always becoming longer, and in the past three years, it's actually become less. Yes. Yes, and it's a shame. You know, uh,
1: this, For kids, you know, suicide is just a quick way out, and and, I mean, because they don't know anywhere else to go. Uh, We just had two kids down at Parkland High School commit suicide that went through went through the whole ordeal uh, two years ago, and it's sad because it seems from the outside it seems like the system failed them because they had that guilt of surviving and they should have been able to have that the techniques available to them to help them cope. you know it's like working with with, with military people um, military people that go through this and you know the, the suicide rate for, for the mili- for veterans is 22 a day yeah 22 a day. And it's the same thing, you know, our VA is failing them.
0: Yeah.
1: And our society failed those kids. How can we fix how can we fix them? If we have more support groups, if we had more in you know, and I know this is probably expensive for the schools, but having in house psychologists to help them deal with this. But yeah. I work but I work with teenagers, you know one of the things I ask them is like when you're in the classroom where do you usually sit and immediately these kids that have such bad anxiety because of these things that happen at Parkland you know they either sit by the door by a window or close to a crawl space because they're fearful of someone coming in and offing them
0: yeah yeah I mean it ends up you know, in terms of whatever trauma that a person experiences, it creates a whole cascade of of triggers that, you know, in reality, I don't think a person ever really escapes from. Uh, I don't know what your circumstances were, but, you know, um, my spouse has PTSD from when she was abused as a child. And, um, you know, we experience this nightly you know and we've been together for seven years um but the one thing that i would say that acts as a as really the only thing that makes sense and is has worked for her is unconditional love and you know it's it's tough to do that though when you when you um experience episodes of Rage or detachment.
1: And and I can understand where your wife is coming from because um, you know when we're, we're exposed to trauma at a young age, it just totally messes us up as adults. Yeah. Uh, for me, I had a I had a sexual trauma when I was in the military, and it totally waylaid my entire life. But it wasn't until I married my husband. Um, in 2002 that it, everything kind of changed because it made me want to get that help to fix these things mm. and it, 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 it did make a difference but um, yeah, kids today are being exposed to more things than when you and I were kids you know and I, I'm probably a little bit older than you and I grew up in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. You know, we didn't have anything like this. Yeah. We didn't have <clears throat> the anxieties that these kids have today. We weren't pushed to go far beyond our capabilities.
0: Well, actually, I would, I would say no. I mean, I don't. I know that for a fact that I didn't have those experiences, but. The reality is, you know, my spouse did, and I would actually contend that when you look at the nature of the problems that this society faces around alcohol and drug abuse among adults, that a lot of adults have. And it's just that, by and large, it goes undiagnosed based on, you know, obviously the shame associated with different aspects of kind of being flawed as society judges people.
1: And, and, and very true. You know, trauma as a childhood, I mean, they go back forever. They go back forever. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, I was using my own life. Because I grew up on a farm.
0: Yeah.
1: Our biggest worry was making sure that the cows stayed in, you know. So I led a really good life. I was very lucky about that. Yeah. And, but, you know, child abuse, goes back centuries goes back a century. Yep. And it's not until as we've gotten older and and now more than ever that it's actually out there that, hey, there is a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. So what's, what's the uh, solution to the problem then?
1: Well, <clears throat> when I work with someone, I... The one thing that I found with anybody that I've worked with is to hold space for this person. Let them talk. Let them work let them work through the problem. Let them let them talk about what's going on. Second, give them the tools to help them get past the problem. You know, I, I told you I have a nice size manual of that people can buy on my website that that give great things to help people, you know, work through their problems. People with PTSD and anxiety are very much affected through the amygdala. And what and the amygdala is behind both eyes and beside the ears. So it goes back like a big L. So when someone's triggered it's not going through the brain but directly through the amygdala going down into the vagus nerve which is along the spine and activating everything in the body so when someone has an episode during the night or during the day of recalling everything it's 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 real
0: yeah.
1: in yoga we call, we look at, at through the um the Eight Limbs of Yoga, one of the things in there is called Satya, which is truthfulness. And when I work with people with trauma and anxiety and depression, when we talk about Satya, it's focusing on what's real. What's real in the moment? What's real now? What isn't real? Mm -hmm. So when someone has, has an episode during the night or they're having an episode during the day, I say, okay, tell me what's real right now. What look around you. What, what do you see? You know, just to get their mind away from what they're trying, what they're recalling in their brain, and it's just trying to change the the way that the mind is working to bring it back to the present moment. Using that kind of idealism, focusing on breath is very key here because the breath can keep us present. So when we start looking at focusing on what's real, we step back and focus on our breathing, just taking that moment, breathing in and breathing out and feeling the breath. Because when we get into those hyper modes, into the PTSD or PTS, it, 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 it's so hard to breathe because we're having that panic of that fight or flight. Yeah. So, you know, Focusing on the breath is really, really key. Giving them something to think about is another uh, key ingredient here. Normal meditations, like a mindfulness-based meditation, doesn't work so well with people with anxiety, depression, trauma, or stress because mm. they need something to think about. So using our traditional, um, traditional loving-kindness meditation, which is more towards a uh, Buddhist based meditation where they learn three sentences to keep themselves focused on being present. I am happy. I am healthy. I am at peace. And sometimes if they're really feeling terrified, I add in there, I am safe.
0: Yeah.
1: To have them focus on realizing they're safe. It's okay.
0: What do you... um... When you're when you're looking at situations with kids and you have a situation where you know the dysfunction for the child is actually caused by the parents, how do you get to a a place where you can heal the child when you know each day or each night they're going back into a place that has negative impacts for them? You know
1: that's that's a tough one. Now, when I'm working with someone with anxiety, a kid with anxiety, nine times out of ten, the anxiety is from another parent. And we call that epigenetic, which means that the parent is also exhibiting anxiety-based. If we're looking at trauma and the trauma is at home, that's a tough one. That is beyond what I can do. That's when you go to a psychologist, who has to, you know, if, it's, if there's something going on at home or the school guidance counselor that the kid is being exposed to that's causing trauma, that's where the, sadly, the system has to take over and, and take care of that kid. Because, uh, and I'll give you a good example. Um, my daughter is a teacher. And she was, her one student told her that her father was beating her. And my daughter uh, had to report it to the school. And the school, you know, took it to child services. So if, the kid, if a child is exhibiting, you know, problems, you know, if they're exhibiting something within the school or at school and something's not right, it takes a teacher to, take, to see these things and report it because, sadly, that's, That's beyond what I can do. You know, what I can do is help the kid get past it and work with them so they can have a successful life.
0: Yeah, I mean, clearly the the system has to step in. Uh, The challenge is when you have uh, maybe teachers that are not aware enough or, sad to say, interested enough to... Become involved and bring in the system to yeah. to try to take and, action.
1: And that's where the system fails the child.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's and that's and that's something that's sad, but you know, if if and when the child gets older that can get the help that they need, that's what's really important. And that's where I think we're these two kids down in Parkland kind of got lost in the shuffle and either A, they didn't go get help or B, they didn't get enough help and they were just put off to the side.
0: Yeah, I'm not familiar with what uh, their story was, um, but I, you know, it's pretty clear like a lot of us have secrets that we can keep deep within and, you know, not share with the outside world and, you know, largely go under the radar for long periods of time before... Because, you know, again, society's judging prevents people from, you know, offering themselves up Absolutely. to seek help.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a shame, you know, even as adults... Uh, we still carry some scars as children. I uh, worked with a lady who, in her her late 50s, who she, you know, suffered from depression and and different types of anxieties as it's you know throughout her adult life. It all went back to when she was seven years old and was molested yep. and never told anybody. Yeah. So you know, we a lot of times as adults we have to step back and look at how we were as kids, and and see what these kids are going through now, and do our best to help them. Yeah. So they can be successful adults.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and everybody made fun of the uh, the phrase from uh, Hillary Clinton: "It takes takes a village," but. The reality is, is it's the truth, is we all have to be involved in terms of supporting each other.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, You know, when I work with kids, I, I love it because it does take a village. And I encourage parents to work with their kids. You know, don't just send them off to their room and let them be on the computer or text message all night long. Be active with them. Meditate with them. Yeah. Sit there and tap with them. You know, talk to them about what they're going through. You know, yes, we're all busy as parents. Yes, we're busy. And we have full-time jobs and things like that. But all it takes is five minutes just to talk to your kid And find out what's going on with them.
0: Mm-hmm. So have you thought about taking this experience to, like your local, your local schools, as far as implementing something on a larger scale to to help kids within the system? Oh yes.
1: I have. I've tried to take it to some of the local schools, and I get really, I get a lot of pushback uh. because yoga is viewed as a cult. Huh. Yoga is viewed as religious. And it's nothing, nothing like that at all.
0: Mm.
1: You know, and, and it's a shame because schools, schools could use a yoga practice. Yeah. They, if they would integrate it, I mean, I've seen in Baltimore uh, City School, they're right. starting meditation and yoga with kids. Yeah. It's so, it, and it's helped them up at Sandy Hook, um, Stanny Hook Elementary. They started teaching all the kids and the teachers the emotional freedom technique. So at that time, when they had the shooting, these kids could get past what they went through, and they were successful. They were successful. So I, you know, I don't understand what part of any of this is is a problem. You know, it's just all in perception.
0: Is it because you live in a more conservative area, you think, in terms of kind of central PA?
1: Yes. Uh, central PA is really, really conservative. Uh, we have a lot of, for lack of a better term, we have a lot of Amish way of thinking. Hmm. You know, seeing that everything, it's a black and white type of thinking, you know, and anything that's out of that is is odd. You know, yoga is odd. Acupuncture is odd. You know, so it, you know it's starting to get better, but it's very, very slow. One of the things I am doing this year to help my community is I'm starting support groups, and I'm doing support groups with yoga, so people have some place to come and and share what they're going through and talk it over and I can help them give them the tools to make it better. I can't fix things, but I can help them get better from it.
0: Yeah. Now I think when you have, um, that extra voice, um, offering insights like that, it's, it's key. Um, right. you know, um, I know with, with our practices, um, you know, it's pretty spiritual, and it's, you know, it was the beginning of the healing process, um, but you have to be, at the end of the day, it's about loving yourself, and so, mm-hmm. mu- so much of society teaches us to value the dollar or, you know, something else, and we need to kind of change priorities.
1: One of the biggest things I've learned is you have to learn to love yourself before you can love others. Yep. Um, One of my friends is a Buddhist monk. His his name is Bhante Sujatha. He's out of Chicago. And he talks about understanding that loving yourself is learning how to create boundaries that are going to be for the better for you. And in philosophies, we call that utilitarianism. Um, The greater good for yourself is going to be, you know, for the great, you know, the greater good for yourself is going to help you be a better person. There's a great book that's out. It's actually an older book. It was written, I believe, in the 70s, late 70s. And it's called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Phenomenal book. I encourage anybody to buy it. Louise Hay was so far ahead of her time. Mm. And she teaches people how to love themselves. She teaches people how how to get past what their illnesses are, get past what's bothering them, whether it's anxiety, whether it's an earache, whether it's multiple sclerosis getting past it, using affirmations. One of the things she encourages people to do is mirror work and standing in front of the mirror and say, I love you and, and saying your name. Like, I love you, Cindy. I really love you. You're great. You're smart. You're beautiful. Saying these things, this helps so much when working with someone with anxiety or trauma and depression understanding that you can love yourself and move past the traumas in our lives
0: well it's about reprogramming right it's like we we end up with these programs running in our head which are flawed and creating these kind of chaotic um, outcomes we have to reprogram it with a more loving set of messages
1: And, yep, it goes back to loving kindness and that unconditional love that you talked about at the beginning of the program.
0: Yeah.
1: That's that's what it's about.
0: Awesome. Um, If people want to learn more about the work that you do, do you have a website? Do you have uh, an email that they can contact you?
1: I have both. Um, My website is cindybeers.com, and the last name is spelled just like it sounds, like Budweiser Beer, more than one. So, it's cindybeers.com. My email address is cindy at cindybeers.com I have a Facebook page, and I also have an Instagram page. So, just look for Cindy Beers.
0: Awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk today and uh, sharing so much. And uh, you know, I hope people got uh, a lot of a uh, lot of value out of it.
1: Oh, uh, thank you, Jim. It was an honor meeting with you and talking with you.
0: Awesome. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon.